What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Glock 9 Show. Now, I asked a question the other day on Twitter about what people want to hear. Now, a lot of people were asking, and they've asked before this last podcast, they asked for a lot more like in-depth of the Twitter files and what's been going on on Twitter. And, uh, you know, you know, with the holidays and everything, Octane's not, uh, you know, here. You know, he's busy with family and stuff like that. So I've decided, you know, I'm going to do an episode myself because there is a lot to talk about when it comes to uh, the Twitter files. Now, you know, I have a um, an article up here with some quick little, you know, bullet points to give you guys. But me, you know, first, before I get into reading this big, huge article, I'm not going to read the entire thing or else we're going to be sitting here for a long time. Um, the thing is, since Elon Musk took over Twitter, there, you know, I personally feel like Twitter's been in a better place. Uh, now there's a lot of things that I disagree with. And if you heard the last podcast, I mean, Octane, there are things I disagree with. Uh, my views on freedom of speech is, is different than a lot of other people's where as long, you know, I'll repeat it, you know, as long as you're not inciting violence or calling for violence or something like that, free speech is free speech, you know. Someone's free speech doesn't automatically equal hate speech. You know, it's there. There, there's hate speech, uh, hate speech, and speech that you hate. There's two different things. So you know, a lot of people have had issues with a lot of things that people have been posting. Um, you know, but it's freedom of speech. But you know, Elon Musk has you know gone a route that it's more of a personal thing, like the whole thing with Alex Jones. You know, he's allowed. You know, the man's allowed to have his opinion on sandy hook regardless of whether you agree with it or i agree with it that's the man's opinion that's what he believes and, and you know we don't even need to get into that whole, that whole discussion but um you know he his per, he had a personal vendetta which he he posted about that was like oh well because of my life experience i disagree with him and i would not unban him or whatever because he has a podcast and he talked about it and basically made money off of talking about that subject that i disagree with that's not freedom of speech. Alex Jones has the right to his opinion, and you're basically saying that he's not allowed on your platform because you disagree with it. That's not right. Um, now, you know, in other you know, other terms of you know, releasing these Twitter files and what exactly has been going on, you know, it brings you know, it, it, people who said that it was stupid or fake and this and that, they're they're finally starting to see that it's not fake. It is real. All these claims that we're making about you know suppression and and you know all you know basically shadow banning and all this other stuff. You're not crazy. It's ha it was happening. It's it, it was happening before he took over, and that's just the way it is. Whether you like it or not, that that's the truth. So in this article. Um, it was updated. It, this article was actually updated again on the 26th. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to start with the, the the little introduction here. It says Elon Musk, after taking control of Twitter and the, and the firing most of its upper level management and many of its rank and file employees, promised to release internal documentation that illustrated the degree to which Twitter had shadow banned and censored content from conservative leaning sources. To date, eight file dumps have been released by journal by different journalists. Um, with various associates after conducting detailed anal analysis of documents provided by Elon Musk and his inner circle. It is important to note that these files are not open to the public other than what the journalists and authors decide to share and that Musk somehow is vetting the files before passing them along to these journalists. 
Each of the below hyperlinks uh, takes you directly to the official Twitter thread, you know, which I'll basically be reading some of them from. Um, each bullet point is a direct quotation from the author or a consolidated quotation. Editorial discretion was utilized to cut out ex extra, extra material that is unneeded to keep the focus on more extraordinary findings. Um, so I'm just going to go down here. Obviously, we had part one. The very first dump was a Hunter Biden laptop story. Uh, basically, you know, quick little points that happened with that was the by 2020. Uh, there were requests from connected actors to delete tweets were routine one executive would write to another more to review from the biden team then they would receive a reply that said quote handled uh celebrities and unknown alike could be removed or reviewed at the behest sorry i cannot i cannot read tonight uh of a political party this system wasn't balanced it was based on contacts because twitter was and is overwhelmingly staffed by people of one political orientation there were more channels more ways to complain open to the left um, on October 14, 2020, the New York Post published the Biden secret emails and exposed base the, um, uh, of the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop. Twitter took extraordinary steps to suppress the story, removing links and posting warnings said it may be unsafe. They even blocked its transmission via direct message, a tool uh, reserved for extreme cases. Um, you know, so we're not going to I'm not going to really get into the Hunter Biden laptop, laptop story. We already know about that. Um yeah, we already know that whole detail. Basically, they suppressed the story. It, it it very well could have swayed the whole entire election if you you know everyone was able to see what was on the laptop before they went out and voted. But you know that's something we've known for a long time. So if you get into part two, if you get into part two of the Twitter dump, this was the uh, subject of the Twitter secret blacklist, right? The shadow banning and all that. Uh, you know is. Uh, a new hashtag Twitter files investigation reveals that the terms are, or, or that the teams of Twitter employees build blacklists, prevent disfavored tweets from trending and actively limit the visibility of entire accounts or even trending topics all in secret without informing users. Take for example, example, Stanford's uh, Dr. J. Batakarea. I don't, I can't even say the guy's name uh, who argued that COVID lockdowns would harm children. Twitter secretly placed him on a trends blacklist, which prevented his tweets from trending or consider the popular right-wing talk show host, Dan Bongino, who at one point was slapped with a search blacklist. Twitter set the account of conservative activist, Charlie Kirk to do not amplify. Twitter denied that it did such things in 2018. Twitter's, uh, via Gade, the head of a uh, legal policy and trust and, uh, Kevin Baker, Bakepoor. The head of products said, we do not shadow ban, they added, and we certainly don't shadow ban based on political viewpoints and ideologies. Uh, what many people call shadow, ba shadow banning, Twitter executives and employees call visible filtering. Multiple high-levels... High um, sorry, I lost my spot for, for a second. <laughs> uh, the multiple high-level sources confirm its meaning. Think about visibly filtering... Uh, uh, being a more powerful tool than just than a way to suppress people. Um, it sounds like shadow banning to me. Uh, you know, if you're suppressing anybody, especially in in secret, is shadow banning. That there's no ifs ands or buts about it. Um, you know, then you got we control visibility quite a bit, and we control the amplification of your content quite a bit. And normal people do not know how much we do it. Uh, one Twitter engineer told us two additional Twitter employees confirmed the group had uh, decided whether or um, uh, 
the group that decided whether to limit reach or certain users uh, was the strategic response team, global escalation team, uh, and they handled up to 200 cases a day. You know, so that was the second one that came out. There's a lot more in, in, in this. Um, there's a there's a lot more that you know basically shows that they were shadow banning people, even though they lied about it. Um, you know, they when you when you look at what you know what they were doing to you know suppress speech against people, right? It's it's one of those things where you know again you may not like what someone has to say, but you don't have the right to use your platform to, you know, to basically suppress, you know, one way of thinking. Now, a lot of people will argue that they're a private company, they can do what they want, blah, 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 right? Um, to me, that's just an excuse of, you know, that's just an excuse for allowing them to do what they were doing. Like, well, think about it right now, you know, people people were saying that this wasn't happening. People were, were not, you know, when we were calling out people being banned, people weren't upset. It's okay to do it, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then now people, now I disagree, you know, Elon Musk has been banning certain people and it, it's, it's actually happening to the other side sometimes. It's happening. I don't think it's primarily, I don't think it's primarily, um, you know, one-sided. It's, it's happening to both sides, and now everyone's saying that, like, oh, suppression of speech, um, suppression, suppression of speech is not okay. Blah blah blah. It's like, oh, all of a sudden, it's not okay. Like you were okay with it before, but now because it's happening to your side as well, it's not okay. It, it doesn't make any sense how you know you, you could be that hypocritical, right? Um. You know, but move, moving on, you know, we, we don't need to talk about shadow banning too much. You know, all, all the content we have here. Um, part three was about Donald Trump. Uh, you know, obviously him being him being banned. Now, when it came to Donald Trump being banned, obviously they tried using January 6th as the reason to ban him. Now, as much as I still to this day disagree with what happened on January 6th, obviously it was nowhere near as bad as they, they try and make it sound right. Um, you know, the only person that died, you know, at, you know, at the Capitol building was Ashley Babbitt, who was actually a protester. Now, you know, yeah. Do I think it's wrong? They went in there. I do. I, I, I disagree with it. I've said that, you know, many times I was, I, I've said this story before, but I was actually at home that day. I was watching on one monitor. I was watching Donald Trump's speech on the other monitor. I was watching C-SPAN. I was watching the cameras in the room listening to them, you know, to what they were saying. And then next thing you know, you see everybody coming, you know, coming in the, you know, on different cameras, you can see them coming in. I was like, dude, what's going on here? Are they like, are they like storming in all this other stuff? And then next thing you know, the videos just cut out. But then all, you know, all heck broke loose basically. But, um, you know, so the points in this article, it talks about, as soon as they finished banning Trump, Twitter exec started processing new power. They pre uh, prepared to ban future presidents and White Houses, perhaps even Joe Biden. The new administration says one exec executive will not be suspended by Twitter unless absolutely necessary. Twitter executives removed Trump in part over uh, what one ex ex executive called the context surrounding actions by Trump and supporters over the course of the election and frankly last four plus years. In the end, they looked at a broad picture, but that approach can cut both ways. Before January 6th, Twitter was a unique mix of automated rules-based enforcement and more subject subjective 
moderation by senior executives. The firm had a vast array of tools for manipulating visibility, most of all which were thrown at Trump and others pre-January 6th. As the election approached, senior executives, perhaps under pressure from federal agencies with whom they met uh, more as the time progressed, increasingly struggled with rules and began to speak of VIOS as pretext to do what they'd like likely have done anyways. On October 8th, 2020, executives opened a Slack channel called US 2020 XMN Enforcement. Through Jan- January 6th, this would be a home for discussions about election-related removals, especially ones that involved high-profile accounts. Uh, there was at least some tension between safety operations, a larger department, um, whose staffers used a more rules-based process for addressing issues like porn, scams, and threats, and a smaller, more powerful cadre of uh, senior policy execs like Roth and Gade. That latter group were a high-speed Supreme Court of moderation, issuing content rulings on the fly, often in minutes, and based on guesses, gut calls, even Google searches, even in cases involving the president. You know, so basically, obviously, they, um, you know, they... Uh, you know, obviously, yeah, they, uh, they just decided to ban him on January 6th, um, even though his very last tweet was telling everybody to leave the Capitol and, you know, be peaceful, X, Y, Z, right? Regar- regardless, right? Regardless of, of um, you know, that's, that was his last tweet. They decided to ban him. And it all came down to just like when they were trying, they were trying to um, impeach him. The, the whole thing, the, the number one term was uh, we need to or we need to fight like hell is w- the words that he used. Right. The words he used were we need to fight like hell. And they were like, oh, that's, an, you know, they're trying you know to promote violence or whatever, and which is bullcrap. It was just an excuse. It, it was just an excuse to to ban him and try and impeach him. And again, this is why he was ultimately not impeached you know what he did or said was not an impeachable offense he wasn't saying go storm the capital or anything like that which you know obviously if you actually know you actually know the story um if you actually know the story of um january 6th if you ever been to washington dc you would know that where trump was giving his speech at uh it was about a 40 to 45 minute walk to the Capitol building. Right. And during he, he's in the middle of his speech and there was already an issue at the Capitol building before he even said, we need to fight like hell or whatever it does. And, and then, uh, people were saying that, Oh, he said that then everyone started marching over there and went to storm the Capitol. They were already having an issue over there. Right. So this is all just, an, this is all just an excuse to justify you banning him, um, on Twitter. Right. So part four was the Trump Twitter ban prelude. Um, it said on January 7th, uh, senior Twitter that create justifications to ban Trump, seek a change of policy for Trump alone, uh, distinct from other political leaders, express no concern for the, uh, for the, for uh, the, the expression of free speech, uh, or democracy implications of a ban for years. Twitter had resisted calls to ban Trump blocking a world leader from Twitter in 2018, uh, they wrote would would hide important information and hamper necessary discussion around their words and actions. But after the events of January 6th, the internal and external pressure uh, on Twitter CEO Jack uh, Jack uh, grows. Former First Lady Michelle Obama, ex journalist Kara Swisher, uh, and many others publicly call on Twitter to permanently ban Trump. 
As context, it's important to understand that Twitter staff and senior execs were overwhelmingly progressive in 2018, 2020, and 2022. 96, 98%, and 99% of Twitter staff political donations went to Democrats. Um, yeah, nothing to see here, guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, there was there was no bias there. You know what I'm saying? There's no bias. You know, I don't know what you're, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Doesn't make any sense. Why would there be a bias? Um. So, moving on from uh, from from that one, you got uh, part five was a Trump Twitter ban as well from January eighth, twenty twenty. On the morning of January eighth, President Donald Trump, with one remaining strike before being a risk of permanent suspension for Twitter, tweets twice. Six forty six a.m. Quote the seven hundred seventy five thousand or I'm sorry seventy five thousand seventy five million great American patriots who voted for me America first and make America great again will have a giant voice long into the future they will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way shape or form at seven forty four a.m. he wrote to all those who have asked I will not be going to the inauguration on January twentieth that was the final tweet right that was the final tweet um, it says after January sixth. Twitter employees organized uh, to demand their employer ban Trump. There is a lot of employee advocacy happening, said one Twitter employee. We have to do the right thing and ban this account. It's pretty obvious he's going to try to thread the needle of incitement without violating the rules. But the Twitter staff assigned to uh, assigned to reevaluate tweets quickly conclude that Trump had not violated Twitter policies. I think we'd have a hard time saying this is an incitement, wrote one staffer. It's pretty clear he's saying the American patriots are the ones who voted for him and not the terrorists. We can call them that, right? Uh, <laughs> from Wednesday, another staffer agreed, don't see the incitement angle here. I, you know, quote, I am also not seeing, not seeing clear or coded incitement in the Donald J. Trump tweet. Um, I'll respond in the elections channel and say that our team has assessed and found no, no violations. Uh, she does just that as, or she she wrote that in the chat. She does just that as an FYI. Safety has assessed the tweet above and determined that there is no violation. Next, Twitter safety team decides that Trump, 7:44 a.m. tweet <clears throat> is also not a violation. To understand the decision to ban Trump, we must consider how Twitter deals with other heads of the state and political leaders, including Iran, Nigeria, Ethiopia. In June 2018, Iran's um, Ali Khamenei tweeted, Israel is a malignant cancerous tumor in the West Asian region that has been has to be removed and eradicated. It is possible and it will happen. Twitter neither deleted or, nor banned uh, this account. In October 2020, former Malaysian prime minister uh, said it was a right for Muslims to kill millions of French people. Twitter deleted his tweet for glorifying violence, but he remains on the platform. Uh, and then you had the president of Nigeria inciting violence against pro uh, Biafra groups. Those of us in the quote, those of us in the fields for 30 months who went through war, he wrote, will treat them in, in the language they understand. Twitter deleted the tweet, but did not ban. Um, you, you have some other examples here from world leaders that actually did incite violence, but were not, um, were not, you know, banned off the whole thing. Like Trump was right, and then um, ultimately, yeah, ultimately the concerns about Twitter's efforts to censor news about Hunter Biden's laptop, blacklist disfavored views, and banning president aren't the aren't about the past choices of the executives in a social media company. They're about the power of a handful of people at a private company to influence the public discourse and democracy. 
then you had part six. Part six is the one uh, is actually a pretty um, pretty doozy of, of of a Twitter dump, I would say. It's the FBI subsidiary. So the the quick key points here: Twitter contacts the FBI. Uh, contacting the FBI was constant and per, uh, pervasive, and is uh, as it were a subsidiary. Dude, I cannot read tonight, bro. Like, I know I'm recording this podcast way later than I usually would, but I'm, like, literally staring at my screen. I'm saying the word in my head, but it's not, just not translating out of my mouth. I'm, like, you know. <sighs> between January 2020 and November 2022, there were over 150 emails between the FBI and former Twitter trust and safety chief Yoel Roth. Roth? 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 I don't know. Some are mundane, like San Francisco agent Elvis Chan wishing Roth a happy new year, along with the remainder to attend our quarterly call next week. Others are requests for information to Twitter users related to active investigations. But a surprisingly high number of requests by the FBI for Twitter to take action on election information, misinformation, even involving joke tweets from low follower accounts. The FBI social media focused task force known as FTIF created in the wake of the 2016 elections swelled to 80 agents and corresponded with Twitter to identify alleged foreign influence and election tampering of all kinds. Federal in- intelligence and law enforcement reach um, uh, into Twitter included the Department of Homeland Security, which partnered with security contractors and think tanks to pressure Twitter to moderate content. It's no secret that the government analyzes bulk data for all sorts of purposes, everything from te- uh, tracking terror suspects to making economic forecasts. The hashtag Twitter files show something new. Agencies like the FBI and the uh, DHS regularly sending social media content to Twitter through multiple entry points pre-flagged for moderation. What stands out is the sheer quantity of reports from the government. Some are ag- uh, aggregated from pu- public hotlines. Quote, hello, Twitter contacts. The master canine quality for of the FBI's relationship to Twitter comes through in, in this November 2022 email in which FBI San Francisco is notifying you it wants action on these four accounts. Twitter personnel in that case went on to look for reasons to suspend all four accounts. Um, you know, in an internal email from November 5th, 2022, the FBI National Election Command Post, which compiles and sends on complaints, sent the uh, San Francisco field office a long list of accounts that, quote, may warrant additional action. Agent Chan passed the list on to his Twitter folks. Twitter then replied with its list of actions taken. You know, so you, you're you literally having, and, and this is, this, honestly, when you, sit, when you sit there and you actually think about this stuff, like, it's a scary thing that this is all happening. Like, you literally have one of the biggest social media platforms in the entire world um, you know, you know, with one of the, I would say most powerful agencies in the world that can literally like do whatever they want. It's turned into like a, you know, just like, you know, the rating of Donald Trump's home, you know, they, ba- you can basically call on, call on the FBI to do your dirty work for you. You know they're basically swayed by politics, and, and that you know, there and there's no justice, right? It's it's all political, and that's not how you know they should be ran. It's actually a very dangerous thing. Like when you go through this entire thing, and you're actually like looking at and looking at what they were doing. It's it's like you're sitting there, and you're like, 
there was a whole collusion in the background to try and remove content, to hide content, to go after a a you know former or sitting president. It's it's you know it's very scary. So part seven, um, part seven, we go back to the Hunter Biden laptop story. It goes to this one's titled "The FBI and the Hunter Biden Laptop Story." So what what hand did they have to play in this whole thing, right? It says in Twitter file seven, we present evidence pointing to an organized effort for by representatives of the intelligence agency um, and at senior executives at news and social media companies to discredit leaked information about Hunter Biden's laptop before and after it was published. Um, you know, the story begins in December 2019 when a Delaware computer store owner named John Paul Mac Isaac uh, contacts the FBI about the laptop that Hunter Biden had left with him on December 9th. Um, it says the FBI issues a subpoena for and takes Hunter Biden's laptop. By August 2020, Mac Isaac still had not heard back from the FBI. Even even the I, I just lost my spot. Even though he had discovered evidence of a criminal activity, and so he emails Rudy Giuliani, who was under FBI surveillance at the time. In early October, Giuliani gives it to the New York Post. Shortly before 7 p.m. Eastern time on October 13th, Hunter Biden's lawyer. Um, uh, he emails J.P. Mac Isaac Hunter and Maziers had just learned from the New York Post that his story about the laptop would be published the next day. Um, at 9.22 Eastern, FBI Special Agent Elvis Chance sends 10 documents to Twitter's, Twitter's then head of site integrity, Yoel Roth, uh, through tele- Teleporter, a one-way communication channel from the FBI to Twitter, the next day, October 14, 2020, New York Post runs this explosive story revealing the business dealings of President Joe Biden's son. Every single fact in it was accurate. And yet within hours, uh, within hours, Twitter and other social media companies censored the New York Post article, preventing it from spreading and more importantly, undermining the credibility in the minds of many Americans. Why is that? What exactly happened? First, it's, it's important to understand that Hunter Biden earned tens of millions of dollars in contracts with foreign businesses, including one leaked to China's government for which Hunter offered no real work. Now, it says, and yet during all of 2020, uh, the FBI and other law enforcement agencies repeatedly primed Yoel Roth to dismiss reports of Hunter Biden's laptop as a Russian hack and leak operation. This, this is uh, from a sworn declaration by Roth given in December 2020. They did the same to Facebook, according to CEO Mark Zuckerberg. The FBI basically came to us and was like, hey, you should be on high alert. We thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in 2016 election. There, There's about to be some kind of dump similar to that. Were the FBI warnings of a Russian hack and leak operation related to Hunter Biden based on new intel? Um, you know, No, they weren't. Through, through the investigation, we did not see any similar competing uh, intrusions. You know, so, you know, again, you know, you're going, here you are, you had not only did Twitter themselves suppress a lot of these stories, you're now learning that um, they were basically being influenced by the FBI to basically, you know, to basically lie and say this information isn't true. They're calling it Russian dis- disinformation. It's, you know, rush this, rush that, uh, you know. And that's not, it's not how you should be operating. That's not what the FBI is there for. 
it's obviously that you had an agenda. You you, know, you 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 didn't care about the truth. You were trying to feed fake information to the American people. So why should we? You know, my thing moving forward is how can the FBI come back from any of this stuff? Like, you know, how can you know how can we sit there and trust them as supposed to be an agency? You know, operated by the United States government. And this is how you're operating. You know, you, you're there's multiple emails that they found. There's multiple emails that were released of what was going on. You know, it, it does. It it's one of those things where it, it's it's actually upsetting to me how many people are not concerned over the entire thing. Like, how many people all of a sudden don't care? Here, these same people were concerned and and nervous about all the disinformation of covid and and you know like all this bad information going around and all all this and then here you have this whole dump and no one cares whatsoever in the slightest they're like oh it's, it, elon musk is an evil billionaire and it's all a lie we can't believe him and you know so okay so now you can't believe him how could you believe everyone else that was working there beforehand especially after all this stuff comes out you know it's 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 like okay, so you were calling us crazy for the last however many however many years it's been, and then now because it's going against what you see and believe, that we should just ignore it and act like none of this ever happened. Is that basically what you, is that basically what your solution is? Because Elon Musk is an evil billionaire, and because if you have money. You're an evil person, you know, like a lot of people think. Uh, just because you have money, you're an evil person. I, I, I don't understand that. I never have. You know, like, yeah, there's a lot of people out there that have money who are complete jerks and got the, got their money in a sleazy way. But, like, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, that have money who are very good people who got them in a very honest way. But just because they have money, you're, you're automatically labeling them you know, rich a-hole and all this other stuff. So just by, just by your bank account, you could be labeled as evil, racist, misogynistic, you know, sexist, you know, all these labels all because of you, the dollar amount in your bank account. Like that's, 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 that's the world we live in nowadays where just because you have money, you're evil, you're this, you're that, you know, because I, now I see people, I, I, I see people calling Elon Musk, uh, he hates women, and you know he's race. You know, there's there's things of him being racist or something like that. And I'm like, wow, I've seen, where have I seen this before? I think I've seen this before when someone ran for president. They were be they were beloved for so many years, and then all of a sudden one day, he's the most evil man on the on the face of the earth. I mean, that's basically you know we're we're doing this again now. You know, Elon Musk ain't gonna be running for president. You know, he can't. He's not. People. People also don't realize he's, he was not born in the born in the U.S. But a lot of people keep saying that he should run for president. Ain't gonna work, buddy. You gotta, you gotta be from here. Um. But that's basically what happened. It's, you're seeing the same thing play out. Donald Trump had money for years. Everyone loved him, and then he put himself in basically in the middle of a bunch of you know. You're you're not playing to the part they want you to play. Now all of a sudden you're misogynistic, you're racist, you're you're. you're let's just get everybody to hate him by by saying all this stuff about him. 
Because you think about it, Elon Musk, you know, for you know, with Tesla and the and the you know, electric cars and clean energy, uh, people were loving him because of all this. Uh, people were loving him, and he's give you know he cares about the environment, and all all this different stuff. As soon as he went against uh, the narrative that you know you like, now he's an evil person. All of a sudden, he's an evil person. No one, no one should like him. You can't trust him, and you know that's that's just the way it works. You disagree with me? I'm gonna say a bunch of untrue, you know, non-factual stuff about you. Um. So I'm gonna get to the last, the last uh, Twitter dump. That's the most recent one, and this was actually kind of you know crazy. If you ever heard what a psyop, a psyop is, it's kind of crazy when you sit back and you think about um, them actually calling this a psyop. It's basically a a, psych, a, a psychological operation, and uh, which I said honestly, like after a few months of the COVID lockdowns, I I literally made a comment that this feel you know. Uh, to a buddy of mine, it feels like they're they're prepping us for something, and they want us to be at home and depressed and and like you know lonely, and kids are not gonna know what to do because you know because of uh you know not being with their friends, not socializing, all this other stuff. And now here we are, two years later, and you're seeing all that stuff play out, and it's absolutely true. You're start you're starting to see uh you know some blowback of the lockdowns and. You're starting to see, you know, a lot of kids are socially awkward. Like, I 100% believe that's one of the reasons why my oldest daughter is, you know, she was a very outgoing child, right? My daughter was super outgoing. She would say hi to everybody and all this other stuff. Well, during COVID, we, we because my father-in-law had cancer, was sick and everything, we had to uh, limit, you know, all the going out. We were very cautious in the beginning, well, we weren't going to church. We weren't going to gymnastics. We weren't going here. We weren't going there. And so in reality, we stayed home and didn't leave. And she didn't see anybody, even, you know, my parents for that matter. Like we didn't really see anybody for, you know, months. And, um, next thing you know, she is like the shyest girl in the world. All of a sudden now, I know kids change as they get older and all that, but she completely 180 from her personality uh during during the lockdowns and you know that that i tr you know that's where i made a comment like it's almost like they're trying they're, they want this it's it's really weird it's a really weird thing to even get into but to finish this off this is the part eight how twitter aided the pentagon's co covert psyop campaign the article says, despite promises to shut down covert state-run uh, propaganda networks, Twitter documents show that social media giant directly assisted the U.S. military's influence operations. Twitter has claimed for years that they have ma uh, they make concerted efforts to detect and thwart government-backed platform manipulation. Here is Twitter testifying to Congress about its pledge to rapidly identify and shut down all state-backed covert information operations and deceptive propaganda. But behind the scenes, Twitter gave approval and special protection to the U.S. military's online psychological influence operations, despite knowledge that Pentagon propaganda accounts used covert identities. Twitter did not suspend many for around two years or more. Some some remain in act, or active. In 2017, a U.S. Central Command uh, official sent Twitter a list of 52 Arab language accounts 
quote, we used to amp amplify certain messages. The official asked the priority. Priority service for six accounts, verification for one, and whitelist abilities for the others. The same day, uh, CENTCOM sent the list. Uh, Twitter official used a tool to grant a special whitelist tag that essentially provides verification status to the accounts without the blue check, meaning they are exempt from spam slash abuse flags, more, more, more visible and likely to trend on hashtags. By the way, I need that little whitelist tag. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, moving on. Um, so the CENTCOM accounts on the list tweeted frequently about U.S. military priorities in the Middle East, including promoting anti-Iran messages, promotion of the Saudi Arabia-U.S. backed war in Yemen, and accurate U.S. drone strikes that claimed to only hit terrorists. CENTCOM then shifted strategies and deleted disclosures of ties to the Twitter accounts. The bios of the accounts changed to seemingly organic profiles. One bio read, Euphrates Pulse. Another used an apparent deep fake profile pic and claimed to be a source of Iraqi opinion. One Twitter official who spoke to, 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 to me said he feels deceived by the covert shift. Still many emails from throughout 2020 shows the high level Twitter executives were well aware of DOD's vast network of fake accounts and covert propaganda and did not suspend the accounts. Uh, for example, Twitter lawyer, um, Mused in July 2020 email about an upcoming DOD meeting that the Pentagon used poor tradecraft in setting up its network um, and were seeking strategies for not exposing the accounts that are, quote, linked to each other or to DOD or the USG. Um, many of these secret U.S. military propaganda accounts, despite detection by Twitter as late as 2020, but potentially earlier, continued tweeting through this year, some not suspended until May of 2022 or later, according to the records they received. In August 2022, a Stanford Internet Observatory report exposed a U.S. military covert propaganda network on Facebook, Telegram, Twitter, and other apps using fake news portals and deep fake images and memes against U.S. foreign adversaries. The U.S. propaganda network relentlessly pushed narratives against Russia, um... Uh, sorry, I just lost my spot because I looked at the list. Russia, China, and other foreign co countries. They accused Iran of threatening Iraq's water security and flooding the country with crystal meth and harvesting the organs of the Afghan refugees. Th 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 this is insane. This is absolutely insane. Um, now you know I'm gonna I'm gonna you know th there's another part in here that I really want to get into. Um. So that's that's part eight, right? So that you know, so now here we have the FBI choosing who they want to suppress, choosing who they want to you know have a voice, all this other stuff. You know, so the FBI, and then you have obvious, you know, obvious, you know, psychological operations going on where they're purposely trying to get people to think a certain way, to act a certain way, to um, you know, to do this, do that, you know, the whole nine yards, right? So it, it it's it gets you to start thinking. I know people have said this before. Um, like what's real anymore? Like how do we know what's real, what's fake, what's you know, if we have government entities being caught purposely trying to get the American citizens, you know, to think a certain way, or not even American citizens, you know, they're trying to they're trying to go after uh, other countries as well. But it's like it gets you. It gets you to start thinking like, what's what's actually true? What are we being lied about? What are you distracting? You know, basically, what are you feeding us? 
to distract us from everyday life. Um, you know, and, and trying to get us to think a different way so that way we don't see what's going on. Like I've, I've, I've said this before in, in a lot of political podcasts of whenever they tell you to look left, always look right because they're always doing something, right? There's always something else going on that we don't see going on in the background. You know, so it, it's obvious that a lot of this stuff was probably used for stuff like that. You know, but, but exactly what's going on, who knows? Now, I want to turn this into a two-parter. Because there's still more coming out, you know. So you, you know, there's um, you know, Twitter and other government agencies, which was part nine. Then you have uh, how Twitter rigged the COVID nineteen debate, which we can turn that one into a basically a podcast by itself. Um, and then there's more coming apparently. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this one as the Twitter files part one, and then uh, I want I'm gonna, you know if I can get Octane on before the next episode. We will get him on here. I would love to get him on here. It was, it was great talking to him. Because um, he's also very informed about this stuff as well. So um, right now we're going to leave it there. We're, you know, you got the first like eight parts, you know, kind of summarized for everybody. Easy to understand. Um, until uh, next week, probably we'll do, we'll do Twitter, Twitter files part two, uh, where it gets really good and really, really, really juicy. Uh, and then also I'll, I'll give my feelings on how they're releasing this and how i think they should could be doing better by making it more widespread so we'll talk about that next time but that's all i got for you guys today make sure you guys like like uh i almost said like subscribe to this is freaking youtube make sure you guys go leave a rating and follow the podcast you're not already following um you can find us on all major podcasts from iHeartRadio, spotify itunes pandora podbean and many many more the easiest way to help this podcast grow is by sharing with a friend. So I greatly appreciate you guys to keep sharing with, with your buddies. Um, until next time, guys, stay safe, stay blessed. I'll see you in the next episode. Peace.